Welcome to Whitewater. It's a place you can belong before you believe. Um, there's this verse that's just been um, with me all week. Psalm 127.2 says, It's useless to rise early, go to bed late, and work your worried fingers to the bone. Don't you know God enjoys giving rest to those he loves? Uh, it was earlier this week that <clears throat> my boy was showing signs of being tired. Do you know the signs of, of tiredness in a two-year-old? <laughs> you guys know this. The spitting, the biting, the attacking. Well, we, we, were, we, were, we were going to the car and all of a sudden he just was struck with how tired he was. But he didn't know how tired he was. And so I, we lifted him. Me and my wife lifted him to get him in the car. And all of a sudden the, the, the limp body... Like, and you're like trying to, you can't move the limp body, it becomes like 20 pounds heavier. And then all of a sudden we got him closer to the chair, then he went rigid, no! And we putting him in this, we probably looked horrible to the, anybody watching, we're like, get him into this chair! And we're putting this strap, and there's one over the collarbone, and, and then it, trying to get it like fully clipped, click! And we're trying to get the other one, he goes, ah! No, 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 no! And finally push him down, click! Ah, victory! You know, we, we won, but it didn't stop. He's no, 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 no. And I got in the car and I was like, Wes, started the car. All of a sudden we get out on the road, Wes, are you tired? No! And I can, I've got my, my um, mirror so I can see cars behind me, but I can see his eyes. And he's just got fury. They're bloodshot and his face is... And I'm like, do you need a nap, buddy? No, nap! And he's just starting to talk. No, no! And he just, uh, just pull, you know, pushing and pulling against the constraints. And I'm like, Wes, you're tired. No! And I look down, and I look back up, and he's... <laughs> Have you ever seen this before? Isn't this the condition of modern America? Like, we are running on fumes, trying to see how far we can get the car to go on empty because we got to achieve, we got to experience, we got to get this done. We are just pedal to the metal. People are exhausted. And like when you mention rest, you mention withdrawing from the thing that you were doing, resting from what you thought was so important just to get away from, just to have some rest, like there's this compulsion, there's this pulling against the constraints of my freedom and my liberty. And, and, and the most powerful thing we could probably do, the most spiritual thing we can do is maybe have a nap. Maybe spiritual nap or relational, like get some rest. Um, I still have a relationship with my son, despite these circumstances. It's been good. But let me talk to you about a few assumptions about the world we live in. First, um, I, I've been looking at studies and I've been um, looking at just different cultural commentaries on anxiety and rest and most people like my son in that moment are saying I don't have time to rest I don't have time to rest and people the, the term burnout is being used at a younger and younger age there are people that are because of hustle because of needing to get things done or anxiety and worry or I just need to get ahead like they are working their fingers to the bone or they're just working, 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 they might be seeing results, they might not. 
Um, but the, the but as long as I'm working, it's good until they burn out. And then what happens is there's the projection of the burnout, the anger and the rage, like my son, or the blaming, like this is your fault that I am burnt out and tired because I couldn't put boundaries on my life. I don't have control over my life. I don't have control over the time that, that, that is around me. Like I just don't have control. This is your fault, whoever's fault it may be. And so like it leads to a lot of, well, it leads to a lot of problems, right? So here's some assumptions that I think our culture makes. You tell me if you think these are true. Um, I think our, our culture makes assumptions like this. I'm not where I should be in life, so I must work harder. I'm not where I should be. Translation, I'm not happy with who I am, so I have to work harder. Um, the harder and longer I work, the happier and more successful I will be. The longer and harder I work, the, the happier and more successful I will be. Does anybody see that assumption in our culture? How about this one? Hurry and worry will go away the more I hurry and worry. The more anxiety I have, the more I need to be anxious about that. And that's going to deal with it. That'll make it go away. Um, here's an assumption. I am completely aware of how tired I am. There's a few of you are like, ah. Oh. A few of you hadn't, it hadn't hit because you're like, I'm totally aware of how tired I am. Like, you're going to be asleep by the middle of my sermon, and it's going <laughs> to illustrate just how tired. I'll win in that scenario this time. Normally, you win by sleeping. Um, here's the other one. Business is a, busyness, busyness is a virtue. How are you doing? Dude, I'm so busy. I've been hustling. Everything's crazy busy. You know, the next day, how are you doing? The next week, how are you doing? Busy. The next month, busy. It's like this virtue. It's like I'm busy, I'm good, because I'm moving towards success. I'm moving toward happiness. Hustle is the way to go. I'm crushing it. I'm doing all these things. And yet people have no rest. They're like fighting against the constraints, and, and they're exhausted. Here's, here's the last assumption I wanted to run by you. I don't have time to become, to become who God created me to be. If you're a Christian, listening to this. If you're not a Christian, you're like, I don't believe in God. That's fine. But if you're a Christian, do you buy in to the assumption that God has not given you the time or the resources to become who he created you to be? Do you see how this is connected to that first assumption? I'm not where I should be. If we don't believe that we are loved right where we're at by God, at our worst moments or our best, that we are completely loved by God, um, we will often buy into the lie that, man, I don't have time to rest. I don't have time to do that because I, I need to work for it. Therefore, like God hasn't given me the time I need to become who I should be. How many of you guys believe those assumptions? No one's raising their hands right now, but how many of us live as if those assumptions are true sometimes? I do. I'm going to be vulnerable. Like, I live like this is true sometimes. So what I, I want to talk about, I want to ask this question and spend today's sermon answering this question. Here it is. How do we find rest in a restless world? How do we learn to find rest in a restless world? And some of you guys who have notes and are note takers, um, we're not going to get to all the notes today. We're, this is going to be stretched a little bit um, into next week, just because I think it's such an important topic. 
And I think this is something that we struggle with, I struggle with. We live in a world that's just frantically paced and we're missing some of the most important things because we don't have time for it. I don't have time for rest. So how do we find rest in a restless world? I want to look at the teachings, the way, um, the practice, um, the life of Jesus. And Jesus, he, the, when we look at his teachings, Jesus is he's teaching such a countercultural way of being. He's saying, it's like Jesus looks at the world and says, you guys are acting like you're human doings, like you're robots. When you were created to be human, what? Beings. Human beings. So how do we come back to our being before we run to our doing? We live in this culture where we just do, we do, we do, we do. And like, it, like our souls get worn thin. Like you can feel it sometimes, even when you're in a room like this where people are, like they're just thin and then they're mad and they're frustrated and there's angst like, cause, God, why am I not feeling better? Or why, why did this happen and why did that? And, and, and they're just, they can't even think clearly. Like my son in the seat couldn't even think clearly because he was so tired. He was so exhausted. How many of you guys know that decision making goes down when you're tired? How many of you guys know anger goes up as exhaustion goes up. And, 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 and we have to begin to get this right and look at a new way of being, a, a way of being human that's different than the world would define being human. Jesus said this in Matthew 11. You can turn there in your Bibles. You can follow up on the screen or pull it out on an app. But he said in verse 28, listen to this. Come to me, all of you. I'm just stopping there for a moment. I love that Jesus... He doesn't look at a world who's exhausted and weary and worn out and doesn't know what they're doing, doesn't have the right priorities. They don't got time for nothing. And the time that they do have, they give to the wrong things. He doesn't look at that world and just ground and pound. You should and you ought to have and why didn't you? He doesn't come in like that. He comes in with an invitation. His, he, and, he, and that invitation extends beyond you know, uh, ancient Palestine when he uh, was walking the planet, and it extends to us today. Come to me, Jesus says, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Isn't it interesting that Jesus... And all the problems in this world and all the evil that was happening. And he's on his way to the cross and there's all these problems in the world. And he would think it was important to teach about rest. I think sometimes we don't realize just what is really important spiritually. So we need to come to someone like Jesus. We need to like be woken from our, our um, unawareness to discover like a, a deeper reality. So Jesus says, come to me. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. The idea of a yoke is like, like they put yoke on an oxen that are, that are pulling like a, like a way to mill a mill or a, uh, like a plow. And, and when you'd yoke two oxen together, they would share the weight and become less burdensome. And, and Jesus uses this double image. He's like, come and take my yoke. Like, we're going to work together. I'm going to partner with you. We're going to co-create together. It's not just going to be, you're not going to be bearing all this on your own. I'm going to be with you. If you know anything about the book of Matthew, it starts and ends. Jesus saying, I am with you. He's yoked with, if we yoke with him, he's with us. But then it says, and learn from me. And there's this additional layer of understanding where it's, he's going to be with us. He's going to be bearing the burden, but he's going to be teaching us. Like, come learn from me. And it brings in the image of an apprentice. 
working with a master craftsman? How many of you guys have friends or family that, are, that have learned like a craft? Um, like they've learned, you know, like they're an, a, an engineer and a, uh, an electrician. They've, they're a builder. If they're in any one of those uh, craft-oriented uh, workplaces, they have to do an apprenticeship, right? How many of you guys have done an apprenticeship? Like the most powerful thing about an apprenticeship that I love, I wish we had more of this in the learning education system, is you learn from someone who actually is doing, not just theory, right? Come on, help me out, guys who've done this before. You're not just learning like theory. You're watching someone do what, what you want to learn to do. And so you sit alongside. It's, it's what they call elbow time with a craftsman. Uh, an apprentice needs elbow time, like time at elbows at the bench or at the, at, at, at the wires or the plumbing or whatever you're learning. And you learn in this new way. And Jesus is saying, come and apprentice with me. Come and work with me. And I will show you a new way of being. It's going to take some attention. It's going to take some work. But, it, but I love it. He's like, you who are weary, I will give you rest. This is the only way to find rest. And he goes on to say, because I'm lowly and humble of heart. Come learn from me. I'm, I'm, like, I'm not going to boss you around. I'm not going like, to use shame and guilt as the primary motivators of your life. If you guys came here for church for that, I'm sorry. Like, that's not what we want to do. <laughs> At my best, though, that's, that is what I do with, with parenting. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I'm humble of heart. And you will find rest for your what? Your, just your relationships? Rest for just your mind? Rest for your souls. That's an interesting concept. What's a soul? Someone came to you and asked you, what's a soul? What would you say? You know, when they're, when they're taking the roster for a plane when it's about to go off, there's 30-something or there's 100-something souls on board. Any vessel that's when there's this many souls. Where does that concept come from? It's a biblical concept. I'm afraid that it's a concept we've lost. The soul is the entirety of the human being. It is your, you emotionally. It is you relationally. It is you um, intellectually. It is you physically. It is the entirety of your whole being before God and before reality. What makes you you? Well, whatever that is, that's your soul. And your soul is the entirety of that. The controlling aspect of that. And, and we live in a world, here's, here's why it's important. We live in a world that says your physical reality, like your brain's done, your brain, your, the physical meat that makes up your body, that's it. And you live and then you die and that's it. You maybe leave a legacy genetically and maybe through some things, but really you live and you die and that's it. That's like, uh, and the strong are eating the weak, all, all, all in this process that we are in and and so you're going to die. You're going to cease being. You're not going to exist at some point. There's nothing you can do about it, and that's it. So what are you going to do about it? Whereas Jesus comes in, and he gives a reality that's much deeper. He comes in and says, no, you're, you aren't going to cease to exist, and you can't do anything about it. Jesus comes in, and he teaches, you are a ceaseless unending spiritual being and there's nothing you can do about it what are you going to do about that see I think like the, some of the frantic crazy restless 
insanity that we live in. Reminds me of a, an image from an author named Fyodor Dostoevsky. He, he writes about like someone who's alive in a coffin trying to scratch their way out before they die. And we live in a world that's frantically trying to scratch out of the coffin of materialism, consumerism, this finite, and we should because we live and then we die. Get what you can get out of it. Take what you can take. And Jesus comes into the madness and says, you don't have to live as if it's scarce. You don't have to live as if there's no love. You don't have to live as if you have nothing to look forward to except what is right now. You are an un ceasing unending spiritual being in God's great universe you are designed to live forever do you want to live with Jesus or do you want to live forever moving away from him so like this 80, 90 to 100 years like give or take for each one of our lives is about so much more than just that And what Jesus is teaching is he's like, I want you guys to know that in these years that you have, and when you go, like, when when you pass beyond the the veil of this earth, like, it's a new beginning. It's not an end. And he's trying to teach us, what he came to do on the cross was take heaven and bring it to earth. He was trying to take eternity and the way we, we can be living in an in a inclusive, loving, unbelievably truth-filled community of heaven and bringing that into our lives, into our souls now so we don't have to live like we're clawing at some, at some coffin from the inside out, that, that like there's new life and this isn't it and, and God's training us for the kingdom and that we get to live the future now. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. <laughs> what is that? Like, that's mind-bending. I listen to philosophers like Dallas Willard and, all, and read Jesus. I mean, the genius of Jesus. And he's just opening up in our minds and our hearts the realities that we're souls and that we matter. That you're here today and you matter to God. Like, you, he loves you infinitely. And when you give God your, in, your, your finite time, he gives you, you his infinite time. His, like, his eternity, it's in us. It's in our hearts. So how does that change us? Well, we don't have to be so frantic. And we don't have to prioritize stupid things. I'm just being really honest. We don't have to prioritize stupid things. We can start prioritizing the things that matter to God, the heavenly things, the good things, the things that matter. But we can't do it if we're at war within ourselves and we're tired and exhausted we have to learn a way that's at peace like jesus walking in the midst of the storm was sent to earth to die for it to love people who are so unloving to him and he was able to walk with love with patience with peace with grace how do you do that now there's some churches that'll look at jesus and be like well he's teaching that you couldn't but he did and so well he did it but you can't that is not at all what he's teaching read the scriptures Why would he teach us something unless he thought we could start living in the kingdom? Of course we can't do it on our own. Of course we have to be connected and yoked to him. Of course like we're going to need grace all over the place. We're going to be like kids that are fighting it and sleeping and angry and, you know, like making a mess of everything. But kids grow up and we mature and God wants us to begin living in his kingdom. You and I can live a life that becomes more and more like Jesus when we're living with Jesus. Amen? That's the kind of life I want to live. And I know I fall, for, fall far, far short. 
In verse 30, he goes on to say, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So why does he say that? His yoke, he said, my yoke isn't hard. It's not going to beat you down. It's not going to, it's going to, you're not going to be too heavy. Um, it's going to be light. Why does he say that? The following passages, I don't have time to go into them. He talks about Sabbath, about rest. And he contrasts his yoke, his Sabbath, his rest, his way, with the leadership and teaching and the way and the rest of the Pharisees and the leadership of, of that day and age. And he's, he's basically saying simply this, the primary reason people are restless is because they believe that, that they'll find rest if they serve God or if they serve Jesus and they serve some other way. So in Jesus' day, it looked like this, like, if you were worried, anxious, and like, what's going to happen to my soul? What am I going to, what's going to go on with my life? I need to provide for myself. Everything's scarce. I'm worried. I'm anxious. And Jesus just looked, and he's like, why are you guys so worried? I'm, I'm with you. Don't you know who's with you? Like, seek first the kingdom of God, and everything else will be taken care of. Like, just relax. Live as if God exists. You guys remember talking about that? Live as if God's real. Live as if God really loves you. And then see what happens. And the teachers of his time, the Pharisees were like, here's why you should feel shame. Here's why you aren't enough. Here's why you probably won't ever measure up or be enough. And they, were, they created a religion of religiosity, of earning and striving. And the yoke of their teaching was what? Heavy. Amen. <laughs> Speaking some truth here. You don't have to get nervous. It's okay. <laughs> And Jesus says, take that off of you. Put on my yoke. And what I think that's saying to us today is there's all kinds of teaching, there's all kinds of things that the world tells us are important. It's all things, kinds of things the world tells us about the shortness of our life and the meaninglessness of our life. And Jesus cuts through all that and he says, if you are worried and exhausted and tired, that means that you've yoked yourself to something or somebody else. Are you with me? So when we say, if we follow Jesus and consumerism, like I'll get rested if I just have this, and if I just have this, you'll always be restless. If you uh, rest in Jesus and uh, experience, like experience is the most important thing. So you're like, uh, I'm going to serve Jesus and I'm going to follow Jesus, but I'm also going to follow this other thing uh, called experience and adventure. Then you're always going to be seeking adventure. Like, and I'm, none of these are bad things. They're just like, they shouldn't be more important than Jesus. So when we try to find our rest or our worth or any of that stuff in, uh, in the experience of going to this uh, you know, th- this restaurant to experience this and like uh, base everything on our senses or I go climb this mountain, I do this thing and I, like our, my whole life is about these experiences I can have and then I can show the world I have them by letting them know how awesome I am because I'm, I'm following something else. You will always be restless. You will never find rest for your soul. Seek first the kingdom of God and he'll give you everything else doesn't mean that you won't have experience. It doesn't mean that you can't eat good food. It doesn't mean that you can't do the things that like get, give you passion. But if you do those things at the expense of Christ, you will always be restless and you will never find rest. And I know in our day and age, people can look at Jesus and say, is he really relevant? I don't know anything else that could be more relevant. 
Come to me, all of you who are weary. Anybody weary in here? And burdened and tired? Jesus says, come to me and I will give you rest. I will give you rest. If you remember anything from the sermon today, remember this sentence. Rest in God and trust him for the rest. Rest in God and trust him for the rest. Trust him that he'll provide rest for you, for your soul. Trust him that you will... um, that he'll take care of the rest of the worries that you have, that you're worried and concerned, you don't know what's going to happen in your life, and you're so worried right now. Like, just rest in God and trust him for the rest. And when Jesus says, come to me if you're burdened and weary, and I will give you rest, it is also true to say that rest in Jesus, and he will give you rest. Rest in the way of Jesus. Trust his words over what the world says. Trust what he says rather than what your feelings say in the moment. Trust in the truth and the words of Jesus. That's resting in him. I have a friend, his name's David Soren. He says it like this when, when we look at the world and all the, the, the divided hearts and all the people have yoked themselves to Jesus and this. What they're doing is they're fooling themselves. They're serving God and money. They're serving God and experience. They're serving God and materialism, consumerism. And they're caught in between. And that's a divided heart. You can't serve both. You have to, there's one thing that will have the ultimate desire of your heart. My friend David Sorn puts it like this. Quit bringing your exhaustion to your devices and bring it to Jesus. It could also be said, quit bringing your vices or your exhaustion to your vices and bring them to Jesus. And when I'm tired, like I can start getting on my devices and start looking at things and, and my exhaustion just gets more exhausted. I don't feel like my light, like I'm energized. And why is it that we start doing things that we think will give us energy and they take more energy? It's the, it's the madness of the world we live in. So what is rest? What does it look like to rest in God? I love, again, Psalm 127. It's useless to rise early and go to bed late and work your worried fingers to the bone and then rise early and go to bed late and then work your worried fingers to the bone and then rise early. You guys... You guys get what I'm saying? This is the madness we live in. And he says, don't, like, let's break that cycle. Don't you know that God enjoys giving rest to those he loves? God wants to give you rest. He wants you to live a life where you are rested. You're at peace. Doesn't mean you don't work. Like sometimes work gives energy. But we're to live a life of rest. So what does that look like? In uh, Exodus 20, um, uh, verse, starting in verse 8 is where we'll start. This is the Ten Commandments. These are old commandments that were given a way of life um, that would be different than the world. And it says this in the Ten Commandments. How many of you guys know that Ten Commandments are important to people of faith, whether they're Jewish or Christian? You guys know that? Ten Commandments fairly important. Um, it says this in verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Sabbath was rest. Sabbath, Sabbath meant a break. It meant to stop, like a change in the pace, to rest. And the ancient way of saying it was Shabbat. Can you say that with me? Shabbat. That was all right. That was okay. You are to labor six days and do your work, but on the seventh day is Shabbat, Sabbath. To the Lord your God, you must not do any work. Uh, you, your son, your daughter, your male servant, female servant, your livestock, the resident alien who is within your city gates, they have to uh, take Sabbath. It was so important. For the Lord your God made the heavens and the earth, the sea and everything 
in them in six days. And then he did what? He rested on the seventh day. Now let me ask you a question. Did God rest because he was super tired? Just like exhausted of making all this stuff. Yeah. You know, take a nap. Is rest here equal not doing anything? No, God wasn't like, he's got infinite energy and creative ability. It wasn't, he wasn't exhausted. He's not like us, where he gets exhausted from that stuff. Rest in this sense is enjoying goodness. Think about that. Rest in this sense of Sabbath, enjoying goodness. And from us, the creatures the, who are part of creation, it's enjoying God's goodness. And then God's goodness that he does in and through us, it's enjoying God's creation as goodness. Notice here too, like in verse 13, it says, um, do not murder. And then verse 14, do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Let me ask you, do you guys feel like those uh, commandments are still fairly important? I haven't met too many people that are like, that say like, this isn't important anymore, this is archaic. Mur- like not murdering people, like they should just kind of Loosen up on that one. Or this whole stealing thing, you know, like why is everybody so upset about like stealing and lying? Like, you know, it's not that bad. 99% of people, you know, don't think committing adultery is okay. But when it comes to rest, why is it that Christ followers and that our world's like, eh, we don't need that one. We don't need that one. That one's give or take. This is like rest, holding Sabbath, uh, resting in God, enjoying the creation and the, what God has done in and through your life and around your life. Why is that like super optional, but like we're like, yeah, murder, that's a really important one. It's interesting that they're right next to each other, isn't it? And, and you see this pattern of Sabbath like throughout the scriptures. Another example in Leviticus, the Old Testament, is God said, hey, in the first, second, third, fourth, fifth, and sixth years, you will, you will plow the ground, you'll work the ground, you'll take the, all the provision that comes from it, the prosperity that comes from the ground. But on the seventh year, on the seventh year, you cannot plow or work the ground. Let the ground rest. And you're going to have to trust me that whatever comes from the ground without any work, without any planning, will provide enough for you. So when we say rest in God and then trust him for the rest, part of that saying, I will trust him to provide and work and give what I need while I'm not working for it. So can I get really practical here? What does rest look like? I want to finish with... What does rest look like? What does trusting God with rest look like? I want to give you two words, Sabbath and solitude. You can write those down if you want. Sabbath and solitude. Sabbath is stopping to trust God will work out uh, all your work as you rest. (laughs) Like that you can take a break. Uh, Sabbath is a way of reminding ourselves we are not God. We are like God, but we are not God. And God can take care of the rest while I'm resting, while I'm resting in him. So it, it's, it's changing the pace. It's breaking the pattern. It's disengaging or it's engaging in a, in a rhythm that allows you to experience God's goodness in a way that makes you kind of say, wow, 
Thanks, God. When was the last time you just were like, okay, we're going to, as a family, we're gonna, I'm going to, as an individual, I'm going to, wow, God, this is amazing. This is amazing. So two kinds of rest, Sabbath and solitude. Starting with Sabbath, and here's the breakdown. Um, the reason I want to I break those down differently is Sabbath, it, for me, is more about the um, practices of engagement that lead to life and it gives life and energy and rest. So how many of you guys know that there's things you can do and actions you can take that are actually life-giving? That like stoke the passions, bring life to you, but you're actually, you're working and you're doing things. Um, that's, that's how I look at Sabbath. Solitude is the practice of disengagement to find rest. So let's start with the engagement of Sabbath. Sabbath is when you stop the normal, you slow down, you engage in activity that gives your soul rest. Different people engage in rest differently or, or engage in Sabbath in different ways for the same results. So let me um, go here. How many of you guys know that we do this thing called One Child? We do a, it's a party that we do, a Christmas party. One person, awesome. That's great. A few of us know about this. It's a big, big undertaking. We have all these volunteers, and we have, probably have about 1,000 people or close to 1,000 people at this event, and it's, it takes a lot of energy. Am I right, Mark? Yeah, he helps lead it. It takes a lot of energy. But I'm telling you, at the end of the event, when I talk with people, it's, I don't talk with people who are like, oh, that was terrible. I never want to serve uh, orphans and um, families, and uh, I don't want to serve that community, foster care community again. I just don't hear that. What I hear is, man, that was so energy, energizing. When can we do this again? Like, I want to do more. And there's like, there's passion that's stoked. And their spirit is full. I mean, there's things that we do, we engage in that actually give life. Um, yesterday I took um, Sabbath. And also another thing to know about Sabbath is I try to take a day, like when you look traditionally through the scriptures, taking a day for Sabbath. It can be really hard. But you're not Sabbathing if you're, if you're doing, you're sabotaging Sabbath if you're just doing the things that you wish you were doing during the week. Right? And, and Sabbath is taking time to like enjoy God's goodness. So yesterday, this week was really hard to find Sabbath. It was the busiest week and I'm teaching on Sabbath, of course, right? I'm teaching on rest. And it was like the hardest week to find any rest. But yesterday, we hung out with spiritual family people that we consider spiritual family. Before we went there, we, uh, it was like a barbecue and there were guys bringing like smoked meat, gals bringing smoked meat. It was amazing. I was so excited about it. But I wanted to contribute. So I worked on a brisket like half the day. Got up at 4.45 in the morning, got things ready. And like some of you, that's, that's not rest. But for me, the smell of smoked meat... And the juices congealing at the heat of 200 degrees at a certain point. Some of you guys know exactly what this is. There's, and with uh, pecan wood, not other, but pecan. With charcoal briquettes in a barrel. Some of you guys are finding rest right now. You're like, oh, I need this. Some of you guys are going to go to Crockett's and get some smoked meat. I made, I think it might have been one of the best um, yeah, one of the best uh, smoked meats I've ever made. The brisket, was in, it was good, man. I, I, I was so happy. But you know what was the best part for me? Was bringing it, and not just eating, but watching other people eat it. And then partaking in other meat people. Had br- and it was like, it took work. 
and my family helps me with it. And it was work for our family, but it was so fun because I was able to do this with my family and then go be with spiritual family. And you know what? It was rest. It was rest. How many of you guys need some Sabbath? And like learning to disengage for a whole day. (laughs) Amen. So these kids are like, come on, mom, come on, dad. What are the things we do to find life? And, so, and here's the, what I'm not saying. A lot of times people will unplug from the things that they need most, the priorities like, oh, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to do this, like, I'm not going to connect a spiritual family. I'm going to go do something really dumb that blows like my whole bank account. Or I'm not going to connect with my spiritual family on Sunday because, you know, like, uh, it really gives me rest to, like, watch football instead for three months. Or I'm going <laughs> to... Like, it really helps me rest in God to play softball for five months on Sunday. I'm being really honest. When we do that kind of stuff, it kills the inner life. I'm talking about a Sabbath that puts us in alignment with God. And it's not, this isn't a strict, this is an invitation. There are times where we miss and go on vacation. I was gone last week on vacation, but I hadn't been away uh, to have Sabbath and rest for, for actually too long. It was, it was too long, and I was feeling it because I, I, I was caring too much about what people think about me. I was caring too much about getting things done, and I was trying to be a human doing, not a human being. All right, so let me finish this. I want to finish this with, a, with solitude, but here we go on Sabbath. Here's a few things just to, for you guys to be thinking through for you. Sometimes people, it's, it, for, Sabbath for people is... It's resting differently. It's cooking and, and watching people enjoy the food, or it's not cooking and just enjoying someone else's food. Sometimes Sabbath is like waking up and taking a walk, going on a hike, getting in creation, just enjoying that, and taking a different rhythm than normal life. Sometimes Sabbath is just taking a nap and waking up and being like, oh no, Sabbath, rolling over and going back to sleep. Sometimes it's the most spiritual thing you can do. Sometimes it's flying down a water slide with a family member, sitting in nature, sitting with friends. Some of us, that's what we need. It's life-giving. Sometimes it's just having a good cup of coffee, watching the sunrise, counting the stars, watching a football game. Whatever is life-giving to your soul, what gives you life? Solitude. Oh, I, should, I shouldn't forget this. My wife would want me to make sure to mention sometimes breaking the diet and eating dark chocolate <laughs> and a hot dog is really good for the soul. Solitude. Let me finish with this. Solitude. Practice of rest through disengagement. No books. It's no people. No plans. No getting things done. No working on things. No talking with people. Nothing. And the hardest part is no agenda. Do you know how freaking hard it is? Like, I hear, I was sharing this with my staff. I am always looking to the past to look forward. I'm looking what has happened and what has been and reading books and like how do we lead well and love well and minister well? How do we look to the future? Where are we headed? And are we doing this? Where are we doing this? Where are we doing this? And the past and the future, just how I'm wired. This is me. People are wired differently. It pulls me out of being here with you. 
like in the moment. And solitude, when we drove to Idaho, I had all my books and I was like, I'm going to get things done, I'm going to learn, I'm going to have some solitude on the road and my family's asleep in this uh, you know, RV that we, we, we borrowed from my in-laws and we're on the road and, and they're asleep and it's, uh, it's quiet and I pop in a tape with Dallas Willard and he talks about solitude and he's like, on, on solitude there's no agenda, there's no books. I'm like, what? I'm like, what do you mean no books? I'm arguing with this guy, he's dead but he's on tape here. I'm like, and he's an amazing guy. If you want to learn something, he's awesome. Um, I'm like, what do you mean, no books? And he's like, yes, for me, no books is a really important thing. I'm like, are you kidding? No books? And again, he's like talking to me in this tape. He's like, yeah, no books, no agenda. He's like, because if your agenda, you're working. He's like, solitude is pulling yourself out of the miry muck. He's like, we're so in it, we don't know how far in it we are. We care far too much about what people think of us about what agenda we need to accomplish, what achievement we need to get, what, ne- what the next step is, just pull out. And it's like a surgeon. Think about a surgeon who's doing surgery and life depends on them and they're super good at what they do and they've got hour upon hour to help um, person after person after person, but they actually have to be pulled sometimes out to go get rest. And they're like, no, 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 but I need to be, they're so in it. And there's blood on their hands and there's work to be done and lives to be saved and it's all important. And there's moments where they just need to be pulled out so that they can rest to go back to being any good. Amen? And when I was like, all of a sudden, okay, I didn't read books. I just sat and I was with God. All of a sudden, it was just like, well, I could see grass again. I could hear birds again. Hear my kids laughing and like I was present in a new way. And I didn't, I, like the pull that what people think of me or what uh, the world might say or the achievements, that, that just faded. It faded. You'll start seeing the grass again when you have solitude. Not talking with people. You, it, you'll, you'll, you'll depend on God instead. You'll remember what is really important, what really we should prioritize. We think we can prioritize by just making a list of priorities. You can't unless you get pulled out of surgery, unless you get pulled out of the immersion of the crazy world and there's silence before God. You'll, be aware, you'll become aware of your addictions, your impulses, your desires. You'll miss people. You'll feel lonely for a little bit. You will. But then you'll be freed of loneliness because you'll know that God is with you. And you'll learn that you can be free. Let me just close with this thought. We had this RV and we got out to my sister's place and I was in the solitude and then all of a sudden we were back in to family and I was like, this is Sabbath, we're going to rest. And it was so fun. And at night, like my daughter would pull out, like you hit this button and it pulls out this queen size bed. It's like... And then she'd do it again. My in-laws are here. They probably shouldn't hear this. Um, and then they'd lay, lay there and we'd get them ready for bed. And then we went to go talk with the adults like around the fire. And um, all of a sudden we heard crying. We went in there and they were like, I'm, Dad, I'm scared. And Wes was, he, he can't articulate yet, but he was just not going to sleep. And, and, um, and I, I assured them and left for a little bit. And then I was like, no, I need to go back. So I went back and I just laid with them. Like I just laid on the side and my boy just kind of leaned into me and Novella kind of leaned closer and I just put my hand on Wes's head and it was just there. 
and it was just dark and then my wife came in eventually and my son fell asleep just in the in the darkness but in my presence and novella started asking these deep questions about life and are we going to die someday and what happens and you know these things and just got really real and then slowly faded and went to sleep and they just wanted to hear my breathing. They just wanted to hear my voice. They wanted to know I was present. There was nothing different about the darkness except I was present. And I, some, I feel like somebody needs to hear this today. The image I want you to take away is like we're in this dark, crazy world. And rest and Sabbath won't really happen until you begin to become aware that God is with you in the darkness or in those lows, and in the busyness, and to slow down, and to, he- to hear his voice, to feel his presence, so that you can rest. You don't have to, you, like he's your heavenly father, he'll take care of you. Like just rest in him, and let him take care of the rest. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we love you. Help us to rest, and when we're restless, to ask you to be present, for us to be aware of your presence in the room of rest, in the place of rest, in the season of rest, in the day of rest, in the day of solitude, Lord. We need to just like get away from it all and, 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 and have the withdrawals of always being busy. God, I just wonder, what would a church look like that's rested in you? What would our faith look like? What would our lives look like? What would our families look like if we are turning to you for rest? God, I just pray that in this next song that we would take the opportunity to pray. That we would take the opportunity to have a moment and say, what would life look like rested in God? And Lord, to turn away from and turn toward the things that you want us to turn toward. And let go of the things we need to let go of. Help us find rest today. Amen.